This episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Bespoke Post. Christian, for our anniversary this year, my wife introduced me to a gentleman's club. A gentleman's club? Not that kind of gentleman's club, man. It's a great subscription box service by Bespoke Post. Now, Christian, I don't usually do these subscription box services because you end up with a box of junk that you don't really want. But I gotta say, I got my very own Box of Awesome, and man, do I love it. Oh man, I love boxofawesome.com as well. Uh, Bespoke Post is the kind of service every man needs. Curated for men with discerning tastes, every month subscribers get to choose a themed box of awesome filled with unique items. From styling and grooming gear to one-of-a-kind items for your home and outdoor gear, they have great items like the Weekender Bag, awesome camping gear, and travel gear. Like I said, I chose the Weekender bag because it's the perfect bag to travel with. It's stylish and durable. Box of Awesome has carefully built collections for every part of your life. Selections usually come from artisanal brands. I'm talking the kind of products you wouldn't find at most stores. On the first of each month, they will send you an email listing what is going to be in your box. And you can switch and skip if the box doesn't appeal to you free of charge. New boxes are added regularly for you to choose from. And as Damon's wife found out, make the perfect gift. Which is why we're so excited to share that we've been partnered with Bespoke Post to give all our listeners 20% off their first box. That's right. Every box is packed with over $75 worth of gear inside, but costs you only $45. So that's tons of value. To try it out, all you have to do is sign up and it's free. Take the quiz on what you like and what you don't like and Bespoke Post will handpick your first box on the spot. So listeners, head over to boxofawesome.com and use promo code NERDSHOW20 to get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up. That's boxofawesome.com. Use the promo code NERDSHOW20 and get 20% off your first box. Bespoke Post. Theme boxes for people who give a damn. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 120th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now leveling up your combo move skills. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling, launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, Christian, so we're definitely light on news, but there's been tons of rumors out there swirling. Um, it sounds like Captain Marvel 2, which we recently just got a release date for, it's coming out July 2022, um, might actually end up being kind of a setup for the next Avengers film. Not really a huge surprise, uh-huh. but it got me <laughs> thinking. Um, who would you like to see on your new Avengers team roster? I mean, if I had to put a roster together, I think Captain Marvel's a given, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have her probably, leading the team? Um, I actually have Black Panther leading the team. Nice. Okay. That's a, um, that's a very solid leader. <laughs> Uh, I would like Ghost Rider to show up. You got um, so you got that supernatural element. Who do you have as the Ghost Rider host? I feel like Robbie Reyes makes the most sense for right now, but I don't mind Johnny uh, picking up the mantle. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, I I like Robbie too. I feel like having that youth on the team 
um, and just like having him kind of be like, you know, the audience's eyes into this like, you know, you know, world of superheroes mm-hmm. um, might be a nice touch. I mean, it works so well um, in the book right now, in the comic right now. So why yep. not? But I think you're missing an opportunity to bring Nick Cage back into <laughs> Marvel films. <laughs> I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Cage in the MCU. <laughs> I won't. I won't deny that. So okay, <laughs> maybe not as Johnny Blaze, but you know, I mean, we could definitely see him as like I don't know, man, Modox or <laughs> I think I already casted Modox though, right? I went to Bruce Campbell. Yeah. So Howard the Duck. <laughs> oh, he'd be a great Howard the Duck. That is true. I can totally see that. All right. So, all right. Let's, let's <laughs> we're, get we're off the cage. Um, right. Who else you got? I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Natalie Portman holds on to Thor's hammer for a little longer. Okay. Um, I definitely could see Photon showing up as an Avenger after she deals with whatever goes on in WandaVision. Um, yeah, that's going to be weird, right? <laughs> and then um, I would like daredevil and luke cage to join the team okay daredevil and luke cage are you keeping uh the actors from the netflix show you fucking know i am all right (laughs) why not um and that that gives it a strong like new avengers vibe like bendis is exactly um so that definitely works all right well okay damon what would be your team all right so i agree with you i would definitely have captain marvel on the team um, and I would also have Black Panther on my team, um, probably as team leader. Um, if not him, then I would go with my next pick, which would be our brand new Captain America, Sam Wilson. Um, so I would throw him in there. Uh, I'm going to go Doctor Strange because I want mm. someone, you know, with, you know, uh, supernatural powers, mystical powers, Sorcerer Supreme, if you will. Uh, I'm going to throw She-Hulk in there because I want strength okay, yeah. and we know that she by then should be introduced to the MCU. So why not, you know, have her, you know, debut in the um, films. Uh, I'm going to go Spider-Man because I feel like they're, they've set him up as, you know, the next big hero, you mm-hmm. know, after, you know, taking uh, Tony's mantle uh, as the leader of the MCU. And then last, man, this is hard. Fuck it. I'm going to go Wolverine. I'm going to ah. say we introduce <laughs> we introduce the mutants. You know, maybe he does a little cameo in another film, but we throw him in here. So, and that, that gives you kind of that new Avenger vibe, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he was part of Venda's team. Now, I, 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 truth be told, I did want to do Daredevil, but since you picked him, I refused to. <laughs> But yeah, that would be my team. I, I or Luke Cage, honestly, you know, because Luke actually became like the leader of the team in Bendis's run at one point. So I think that'd be a great way to kind of explore that character and introduce him to the MCU proper, you know. Uh, but yeah, that would be my team. So um, it's exciting though that you know this is going to be coming sooner than later. As long as nothing else happens. Right? Yes, <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> right? What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even know where we're going to be able to get to, into a theater anytime exactly soon at this point so um but yeah knock on wood um nothing else happens and you know um we stay the course and you know flatten the curve as they say they're just going to start making everyone cgi and make films that way oh god <laughs> i hope not <laughs> 
So, all right. Well, let's move on to the news. Yeah. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we are mere podcasters with opinions. Alright, starting off this week we have Star Wars TV show set in new era in development for Disney+. Plus. Yes, so this is supposed to be a female-centric Star Wars TV show, um, and it's going to actually be developed by the Russian doll creator, Leslie Headland. Oh, okay. Um, so, and like you said, it's supposed to be set in a new era, so that means it's basically going to be an era that's been untouched story-wise. So it's not going to be kind of like held down by all the constraints like, you know, like the Skywalker, you know, saga would, you know, uh, put on you um, just as a creator. So, you know, she, she's going to have free reign, um, which I think is exciting. No, absolutely. Um, what what era do you think it will be, though? Like, wh- what time period do you imagine? I don't know. Um, since they're saying new era, they're definitely not doing Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they're going to do the, uh, the was it the High Era? That's what they're calling it, right? Yeah, the High Republic. Uh, the High Republic or whatever, yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you think they start telling stories about, like, after Rise of Skywalker? I, that's what I would imagine. Um, but then do you run into that issue of, you know, oh, well, where are, you know, where are the resistance right now? Like, what's happening? Like, are we, you know, people wanting to see where Ray is, where Finn is? Um do you, I mean, do you think there's a possibility it could be like during the the New Republic, um, like between episodes one and two? I mean, there hasn't much there. It could be. I mean, I see why not, but I think it's going to be one of those things where people are going to be expecting to see some familiar faces then mm-hmm. and them maybe not wanting to touch that. Um, so I would be fine with it, honestly. But I understand, you know, to attract, you know, you know, some new artists in, they might have to kind of open things up, you know, story wise for them. You know, it's and, a big galaxy. And game, seeing right? how <laughs> toxic you know, fandom can be when you fuck with something, you know, that they feel like they know, you know, um, you know, by like the back of their hand. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like you said, you're right, though. It is a big galaxy. So why not tell different stories that take place, you know, while this event's happening? You know, tell us a story about what's happening on this planet or, you know. So there's so many opportunities. Um, I feel like you could get away with it, honestly. You know, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I know at, a while back, Bob Iger said there's going to be less Star Wars. We're going to kind of pace this stuff out. But you know, I'm a sucker. So give me more Star Wars. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, they were lying. I'm okay. As long as it's quality. I mean, uh-huh. it's oh, they're totally lying. There's supposed to be another film in 2022. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that's happening right now. Cause I feel like that should be like well into pre-production and maybe it is secretly, but that feels like only that that's literally only a couple years away. It's all going to be like Gungan, like politics. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what lucas had in mind after the prequels <laughs> all right up next venom 2 release date change full title revealed all right christian and drum roll please the title of venom 2 is let there be carnage 
Yeah. And instead of October 2nd, 2020, this will be coming out June 25th, 2021. Ah, something right around my birthday, huh? Yeah. So happy birthday, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Just what you wanted, a shitty movie. No. <laughs> we did not like the first Venom, um, if you can't tell. Um, if you don't listen to the show regularly. Um, I was. I do have hopes for this film, strangely enough. A lot of people are shitting on the title. You know what? The subtitle. It's really a subtitle. Let there be carnage. I don't know. I mean... It feels very comic bookish, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with it. I guess it's not any worse than like Maximum Carnage, right? True. It just I don't know. Everything the, about I'm just I I don't know. The first movie was so bad. Yes, no, I agree. <laughs> I just have no faith. Uh, but I'm not yeah. gonna shit on your title, but I mean I will shit on your film in advance. Yes, yes. Uh, so after they made this announcement, Tom Hardy, I believe, on Instagram shared a photo for like a couple minutes of venom uh consuming uh spider-man like spider-man's like in like the symbiote's mouth mm-hmm. um and then he pulled it down so it you know people obviously started speculating right away is another hint that you know spider-man is going to be in this film in some capacity uh i feel like at this point there are too many of these little Easter eggs that they're dropping and little hints that they're dropping for it not to be true. You know, not that we know anything, but, you know, because <laughs> now you're setting people up to be really disappointed if he's not in the movie. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there's a, still a huge chance that he could just be in it for like maybe a minute. Yeah. Maybe after credits. Oh, I, I honestly feel like that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was me, though. I would just pretend the first film didn't happen and just just do a whole full origin story of Spy- you know Venom, you know with Spider Man involved. That's where I would go. Um, obviously, they're not going that route with you know the title being Let There Be Carnage, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, who knows what kind of deal the MCU and Sony you know hashed out you know to you know bring both parties back to the table. You think it could be like a buddy cop film between Spider-Man and Venom and like they're just like honestly, sharing the suit? Honestly, that kind of is like the first arc mm-hmm. that took place with Carnage. Um, Spider-Man and Venom did end up teaming up to take Carnage down. So, I mean, that's not, you know, outside of the realm of like possibilities. So, I mean, I doubt they got, you know, Tom Holland for that much of the film, but... We'll see. I mean, that is the original story, comic-wise. All right. Up next, the Batman and more DC movie release dates changed. That's right. So we found out this week that, um, like many studios, they are shuffling around their uh, schedule, um, rightfully so, since a lot of these movies were either in production or pre-production. So um, they've had to make drastic changes now that, you know, we're living in a new world. Mm-hmm. Uh so the Batman, the Flash, and Shazam 2 all got new release dates. Uh, the Batman will now be released October 4th, 2021, um, instead of the original date, which was June 25th. Um, then it sounds like the Flash um, will actually be moved up a month um, to June 2022. Um, did you see the shit with Ezra Miller? Um, I, I just looked it up, man. It's, it's intense. So, like, <laughs> I'm surprised that they haven't just washed their hands of him. 
Yeah, I mean, if they were to start over, this is the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not a good look. You don't want people who are choking women uh-huh. in the middle of the street, <laughs> you know, representing your franchise, your possible franchise. Not that that's funny or anything. No, just... <laughs> not at all. But, I mean, I'm surprised DC. I mean, it's funny that DC hasn't done anything Exactly, yet. yeah. You know, because I kind of figured there'd be a statement out there, you know, right away. So maybe they're just waiting, you know, um, at this point. But he was wielding a lot of power, too. You remember, like, he was having issues with directors and stuff. And there was, you know, writers who quit because of him. You know, those were the rumblings, at least. So, and I, because you remember I asked, I was like, what what the fuck has Ezra Miller ever done that, like, he's got, like, this much power? Like, I enjoyed his performance in Justice mm-hmm. League. I really did. But I was like, well, who the fuck is this guy where he can, like, you know, get directors fired? No, so, um, but, it, and it goes to show you, hey, fuck him. You know? Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, he hasn't been fired yet. Um, I definitely think he's replaceable, too. Like, I feel like oh, that role could easily be picked up by absolutely. someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's tons of young Hollywood stars mm-hmm. who could take over that role. So, I mean, he seemed like a talented dude and everything, but he's obviously trouble. Um, yeah. So, hopefully, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. Just craziness. Uh, so, uh, the Shazam sequel is also been moved back to November, 2022. Uh, so that's all the information we have right now. We know recently Wonder Woman 84, uh, got moved to August 14th. So, um, I didn't hear anything about Black Adam, but I don't know if they had a date for that yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that gets shifted too. Most likely. Yeah. So. It is what it is, right? All right, switching gears. Stephen King's Salem's Lot gets a big screen remake. Uh, this is awesome news. I'm a huge fan of uh, the original uh, miniseries by Toby Hooper. Uh, fantastic. If you've never seen it, check it out. Um, it has a scene in it that fucking scarred me with a little vampire <laughs> boy knocking on the window. Um, the Simpsons does a great parody of it. Um but yeah, no, it's it's a fantastic film. Um, they did a '90s remake of it, um, starring oh, who was it? Rob Lowe, and it's fucking awful. Um, stay away <laughs> from that. Also, the sequel. They did a sequel, I believe, in the '80s that was pretty fucking bad. Um, but the original, man, the original, the full two-part miniseries, because I believe they cut it down at one point. Um, you know, edited so it was like to put it on like VHS. Um, mm-hmm. th- get the original like i think it's like four hours long get that that's definitely worth you know taking a look it's actually one of my favorite like stephen king adaptations um but yeah so I- i'm excited for this uh it has james wan on as a producer and, and then gary doberman is actually on board to direct uh he did annabelle comes home and then he's been a long time james wan uh collaborator he did the nun with him i think he wrote for the nun he wrote both annabelle films and then he also he oh he did the screenplay for it so yes. he's, he's familiar with stephen king so um <laughs> yeah so we'll see we'll see i wasn't a huge fan of you know annabelle comes home but i did enjoy the nun i did enjoy creation and i loved it so um not bad news if you ask me <laughs> so and i i hopefully james wan is like it's not just like in name only. Hopefully, he's actually involved with the creative like process mm-hmm. too, um, because I feel like he would definitely bring something new, 
you know, to the story. Okay, well, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark sequel, a go with Andre Overdahl um, returning. So, yeah, uh, after the success of the first one, they greenlit this one. Um, it sounds like Overdahl's back in the director's chair, and Dan and Kevin Hagman are uh, returning as scriptwriters. So, and this is based on uh, Del Toro's treatment. I It doesn't say that he's involved, again, as a mm-hmm. producer. So, I haven't seen this movie yet the first one yet um you saw it and you were kind of so-so about it right you were lukewarm with it yeah i definitely gave it like a middle of the road type of review just because it it felt very like it was meant for a teenage audience it wasn't like you know that that hardcore story i thought it would be but i mean it is scary stories to tell in the dark it's it's a book for teens so yeah what did i really (laughs) i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what I was going to say. But you were kind of saying it was even, like, you felt like it was kind of like an amped up, like, goosebumps. Yeah, absolutely. Deal, right? mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, you know, that definitely didn't get me, like, clamoring to go see it. Um, I definitely still want to check it out, though. Honestly, I, you were such a big collector, I thought you would have probably owned it by now. No, well, no, I've been trying to kind of scale back, man. I, I'm running out of space. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> So my fucking wall is completely covered. I'm going to have to get some new shelves, um, which it might ha- be happening sooner than later. But as of right now, I need to at least see the movie before I buy it. Um, that definitely wasn't always the case. Uh, so I will check it out before I make that. I'm probably lying. I probably will end up buying it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, nowadays you'll get it for like, what, 12 bucks on sale. And, you know, to watch it on VOD, it'll be, you know seven eight dollars mm-hmm. and then if i like it i'm gonna have to own it so you know i'm out eight bucks i might as well just go ahead and purchase it right exactly that's my rationality that's your rationality. yeah don't tell my wife though <laughs> <laughs> all right well before we move on support for the amazing nerd show is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Christian, my bachelor days are way behind me, but I remember being a younger man running around before a big date, you know, having to manscape using those old-fashioned trimmers. I mean, you you practically might as well be using, like, a chainsaw or something because you'd get a nick with those things, and you'd practically bleed out. That's why I'm so excited that Manscaped has gone ahead and redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And I'm happy to announce they just released the brand new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free. Thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. That's right, man. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the new LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Christian, I've never had a better look at my balls. But let me tell you, the thing that impresses me the most is they've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand has a rapid charging dock powered by a USB. I know I have mine 
display proudly on my fireplace mantle so everyone knows I rock it high and tight, baby. That's right. It's time to trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping using the code NERDSHOW20. I don't think you heard me, guys. I said get 20% off and free shipping when you head over to manscaped.com today using the code NERDSHOW20 at checkout. And make sure you tell them the nerd sent you. All right, so that's it for news. Uh, and Christian saw a movie this past week. Yes, I finally watched Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge. And now, our feature presentation. Let Mortal Kombat begin. I will win this tournament. Let's see what you've got. What is it you want? To seek my revenge. Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. The champions of Outworld and Earthrealm fight to the death in a brutal tournament that determines the fate of Earth. Directed by Ethan Spalding and written by Jeremy Adams and the one, the only, the legendary Ed Boon. Christian, tell me about Mortal Kombat Legends. Did Scorpion get his revenge? <laughs> uh, David, you know, Mortal Kombat Legends follows, of course, Scorpion's story. The classic story that we've seen about 20 times in about five different mediums at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Ed Boon's favorite character, so of course you're going to get the classic, you know, start of Mortal Kombat storyline all over again. And what they did with this film was kind of like... It was kind of like a good little reintroduction, I would say, to Mortal Kombat in general. It's, it basically goes back to um, the first timeline. Uh, I, I know, Mortal Kombat, two timelines, craziness. But um, if you were to get into Mortal Kombat, this would probably be a really good starting point. Um, I, I like a lot about what they did with this film, but at the same time, um, you know, it didn't it didn't do enough new stuff. Like I feel like this was uh, film had a lot of challenges to go with me because i've seen the story so many goddamn times at this point okay um like even with the rebooted storyline uh, story timeline in the video game i mean you pretty much are seeing the exact same events happen again so it's just like i've been bogged down with scorpion's story for years mm -hmm. so i mean i feel like they needed to impress me a little bit more um the animation style is really well done um you know this is very much a uh I would say almost on like Castlevania level of animation, but it, it felt a little bit more choppy, like something that maybe you would get um, from like a high level uh, kids animated series. What do you consider it like anime inspired? No, I definitely say it's Western animation for sure. Okay. Um, How I, is I Castlevania kind of anime though? Uh, yeah. I would okay. say uh, Castlevania has a little bit more anime style to it. All right. That's than, why, that's uh, why I was asking. I have, I don't even think I've seen a clip for this, so <laughs> I'm completely in the dark, Christian. Um, I was trying to think of another series that it reminds me of, but I, I feel like Castlevania is probably the closest you'll get. It's just there's a little bit more of a choppiness to it. I would okay, say. interesting. Do you think that was um, a style choice? I think at the end of the day, they went with that. Um, you know, rather because like it feels like um, if they had added a little bit more detail, maybe some of the motions would have come out a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, I, that's the style they went with for sure. Um, the violence and everything is up there, 
but because of the way it looks, I mean, sometimes it looks like they're just chopping up ham, you know, rather than it being a human body. Oh, okay. but I mean, it's it's high grade. I mean, your people are getting fucked up left and right. Like they went for that rated R. So when you're uh, saying it seems like they're chopping up ham, are you just saying there's kind of like a lack of like definition and detail with the yes. animation? Okay, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just kind of like body limbs flying everywhere, but not enough where it's like, like super gruesome. Like you can, it's almost like a heightened cartoon realism to it, you know? Okay. Gotcha. Um, I mean, that didn't take away too much, but it didn't like, it didn't leave me thinking like, oh man, this is like the next great animated, like violent cartoon, you know? You're looking for some serious gore here, right? Yeah. Like with Marvel Combat's on the fucking name, I'm expecting some like fucking blood and guts ripping out now there are a couple moments where it's like super intense and you know you've got scorpion and they and they did get to play around with a lot of the um new mechanics in the video games they added those into this um uh show like there's x-rays in the game so like when scorpion throws his spear through someone you're going to see it on the inside of their body in slow motion breaking through things so that those moments were awesome but at the same time when it's just him you know, flying through like 12 guys and their body limbs are flying off. It just looks a little like they could have put a little bit more detail into those moments. So, I mean, is this basically us following his journey through the tournament? Um, or kind it, of. Or is this like a straight origin story? The way it starts off is that we start with a focus on what happened uh, at the main point in Scorpion's life where, you know, um, the Lin Kuei, which are run by Sub-Zero, um, go in and like kill all of his family and his entire tribe. Um, and that's what we find out from that at that moment. Um, and then it kind of goes into the tournament arc from there. Okay. So we start on his angle and then we go into what is normal for Mortal Kombat, which is the three main characters, uh, Sonya Blade, uh, Johnny Cage and Luke Kang's storyline. So we, we dive back into that, which kind of took me, um, you know, for surprise a little bit because i thought we were going to be focusing more on scorpion throughout the entire thing well it is called scorpion's revenge exactly (laughs) (laughs) so Um, i can't blame you for thinking that we get all of scorpion's story beats and you know they do show him in a better light this time rather than you know the original timeline really shows him as just like a villain that gets betrayed and kind of stuff like that yeah, so that, um, I remember this that time from we, when I first started playing the game. That's what it seemed yeah. like, at least. This time they gave him a little bit more hearts. Like you see that him helping out um, our three main characters from the you know original timeline and everything like that. So uh, it, it's it has its moments where it's showing more Scorpion, but at the same time you're still getting you know Liu Kang going up against Garo and everything. From the original timeline. Does it tie into Scorpion's story at all? Or they're just like, okay, we're really just using Scorpion as a vehicle to like retell the original Mortal Kombat story. Well, yeah, because um, Scorpion does, it has a big part at the end of that Mm storyline. So um, it it makes sense. But at the same time, I just felt like I wanted to see this storyline a little bit more behind scorpion's eyes yeah rather than all of them you know yeah it just it's like they didn't add enough of a like a new wrinkle to his story to like mm-hmm. you know satisfy you exactly it wasn't something they didn't bring anything new to the table you know this yeah. is something it's it's just a pretty much a reintroduction to the series um this was a very short film as well it's an hour and 20 minutes okay 
Okay. Um, it's so I not felt bad like, for an animated film, though. I mean, no, but I, it's something geared toward adult audiences. So I'm assuming you want the three strong hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was thinking maybe like another 20 minutes wouldn't have hurt this story at all. Uh-huh. Like it would have able to flesh out all the characters because I feel like you know it's going almost at a breakneck speed at some points in the um, film where uh-huh. it's just like okay, this fight happens, this fight happens, let's move forward. Um, like none of the characters really feel fully fleshed out but i don't know if that's just them banking off the fact that well, you've seen this story so many times or you know these characters so well if you're not allowing scenes to breathe and you're not really getting mm-hmm. to live with these characters for long you know i could definitely see that having a huge effect you know storytelling wise on us actually getting to know these characters you know um so i mean do you feel like do you feel like this is meant to be like kind of like the start of like a franchise like animation wise um, I mean, it totally could. I could totally see them being like Mortal Kombat, Johnny Cage's Legend, or something like that next. You know, um, it definitely feels like they're going to keep the story going on uh, if this does as well as it has been. I mean, people have been giving this rave reviews all over the place. It still has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes wow. right now. So I could imagine, you know, people are are gonna keep wanting to see a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much Sub Zero do we get in this? Um, Sub Zero has a very small part in this. Really? Okay. I just feel like they're so like intertwined together. I was expecting them to have a bigger role. Well, here, here. Spoilers. <laughs> okay. Spoiler alert. Spoilers going for yes. Um, do how much do you know about the Sub Zero storyline? Uh, very. I mean, basically, what I learned twenty some years ago when the original game and movie came out. Um. So Quan Chi actually. Um. So Quan Chi is the person that brings Scorpion back to life after the big attack on his family and everything. Uh-huh. Um, and he kind of uses Scorpion as a pawn. Mm-hmm. What we find out later on is that Quan Chi had disguised himself as Sub-Zero and uh, killed all of his family. So um, is that original, like, canon? Like, what was that originally the story? Or is that something new yes. that they added? Okay. No, that was really a part of the story. Because I know eventually um, they give, like, Sub-Zero his own video game and everything like that. And he's kind of, you know, being played as, like, a, like, heroic character. But I also hmm. knew that. Like, I wasn't sure, too, with that game. Like, if it was, like, just a character in, like, the Sub-Zero, like, clan. Or if that was the original Sub-Zero that we're following. Yeah, so like in the main game, um, Scorpion like kills uh, Sub Zero as soon as he sees him, okay, immediately. And then um, the one that you're talking about is actually his younger brother who takes up the mantle. Okay, yeah, that's I, I, I like vaguely remembered something like that. Mm. So, um, you know, I always you know kind of thought for me, I'm an '80s kid, so they're kind of like you know the '90s version of Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, you mm-hmm. know, in my mind. <laughs> No, I feel like they exactly play that out because I mean that story goes on forever. Uh-huh. You know, um, they're sometimes they're friends, yes. sometimes they're enemies. It just never ends. <laughs> right. um, so I mean, so story wise, it seems like that's where it's just a little lackluster then for this mm-hmm. film. Um, you know, I mean, are you interested to see more? You know, animated features. You know, based in this style by continuing this story. Um, I mean, I would watch more of it, but I'm not clamoring for it. Okay. You know, if it was something that was going to give me more detail or something that was going to dive in in a different direction, then I'd totally be like 100% go, like gung-ho for this 
movie. But at the same time, you know, it's just not new enough for me. Yeah. Do you think they'll like, I mean, because if they do that, I mean, it sounds like it's been rather successful. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think they go back and retell this story through someone else's eyes? Or do you think Um, they move on to a different tournament? I think they move on to the next part in the story in general because it ends right at the end of the first tournament. So, okay. So Christian, do we get like the wonderful industrial, like heavy soundtrack that we did with like the original nineties movie? Unfortunately, no, they definitely like went with more of an like orchestra. (laughs) That's, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, sister machine guns not doing anything right now. (laughs) What the fuck? They could have gotten like KM and FDM to like redo like they probably would have scored the whole goddamn movie. You know, they they're probably all booked up with the live action movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, all right. So if you're going to go ahead and grade this movie, what would you give it? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid B. Um, there's just not enough new elements for me to get too excited behind it. But I can definitely see why so many people would be interested in this. And if I mean... If you want your introduction to Mortal Kombat and like you've been staying away from it because funny enough, this is the one fighting game with like the most lore. Uh, this is definitely your, your gateway to Mortal Kombat. All right. Huh? And this is currently on VOD, right? Yeah, uh, you can pick it up on Amazon Prime or YouTube or something like that. Something like that. All right. All right. So, Christian, you have a little special treat for us this week absolutely you know we're talking video games a lot this week because we're going to get into the best video game adaptations made by hollywood and the worst video game adaptations made by hollywood and you're using the term best loosely correct <laughs> a little bit this is this is a personal list for uh, me uh-huh that's the a man to each their own <laughs> um yeah you know for me i you know, we talked about this, and I, I couldn't even begin to start a list. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, video games have had a kind of, you know, sordid history on film. Um, there aren't many great ones, unfortunately. Which feels weird, because it feels like, you know, it's a medium that would lend itself to, like, you know, you know, being super cinematic. And, you know, there, there's some great video games with great storylines out there. So it's just weird exactly. that it's never quite translated to film for some reason. No, there's games like Last of Us that like almost beat out most Hollywood stories, you know? Right yeah. Now, so yeah, where people play the game just for the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you're you're just doing strictly live action, correct? Yes. Because there's some decent animated ones out there, and there's yeah, there's crazy. Ones. And lately, there's been some good series uh, popping up, like you know, Witcher and whatnot. So, and I, the Castlevanias, you know, one on Netflix mm-hmm. is highly touted. But this is strictly live action, you know, straight to the theaters. All right, Christian. Top five? Top five. Here we go. And now the top five best and worst video game movies of all time. All right, Damon, starting off with my top five video game movies. Um, number five, Need for Speed. Will find strength, find guidance, and I will triumph. Right, Need for Speed was directed by Scott Waugh and written by George Gattins. 
this stars Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper. All right. You might recognize Aaron Paul, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of him. Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> this was kind of like one of the first big films he did after <laughs> the series. Ended. Okay. Um, and, you know, it was something that I really enjoyed because at the time we were getting nothing but very crazy action driving films from Fast and Furious and stuff like that. So what we got with, you know, Aaron Paul's Need for Speed, um, it was a little bit more grounded. You know, there's still stunts here and there, and you're definitely seeing cars that no one would drive in this manner doing ah. this stuff. But, like, um, I don't know. The way Aaron Paul and Dominic Cooper kind of came at these roles felt a little, like, a little bit more relatable and a little bit more uh, fun and something I could, like, you know, I'm not watching guys drag, you know, a fucking safe across like miles of highway i'm watching guys drive and race for the like the thrill of racing uh-huh. and you know it's it's that typical like revenge storyline that you get out of most of these types of films but at the same time you know they handled it in such a way where it felt much better than what we were getting out of fast and furious and i feel like audiences didn't go out to see this film because of what we got with Fast and Furious at the time, we were just we were all Fast and Furious. So crazy. would you say that this isn't like a purely stunt film? Yeah, I would say this is more about the racing than it is about the stunts. Okay, and the storyline at least. Yeah, because does Fast and Furious even have like a storyline anymore? <laughs> it's all about or are they family. Just jumping off shit. <laughs> it's all about jumping off shit and family, and then sometimes betraying your family so that you can protect your family. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds riveting. I know people love those, like the whole franchise, but I just, I never, I don't think I've seen more than five minutes of one of those films. So, <laughs> I'm completely in the dark when it comes to that. Now, does Need for Speed, the movie, mm-hmm. does it follow the video game storyline? Now, Need for Speed, the video game, doesn't really have, like, a normal storyline. Like, each game has its, like, own, like, maybe three-hour campaign. But nothing that's like too. There's no like lore or anything rich and heavy into the um, game series. It's mostly like an arcade racer, which is something that we would call, you know, non-realistic <laughs> racing at uh-huh. all. Um, you know, there's like super boosts and stuff like that. So it's yeah. nothing like too like realistic. Okay. But so I mean, there's no continuity. Yeah, there's no continuity to the games. Really. Okay. So they kind of had free range. Exactly. This was this was one of those opportunities where they could really do whatever they wanted with a um, franchise where we'll get down to some of these on the lists uh, on the other lists that, you know, kind of just took Kerblanche on their own. <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. So let's move on. What was your number four pick, Christian? My number four was Doom. Semper Fi, motherfucker. All right. Doom was directed by, and I apologize. In whoa, 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 whoa. Christian. Yeah. This is supposed to be your best of list. Yeah. It is my best of list. Are you are you serious? D- D- Doom is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once again, people, um, I'm looking for a podco a podcast host. Um, if you're interested, go ahead and DM me. We're doing a best uh, of video Facebook, game movies. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> It's Doom not, is not a good movie. It's Christian. not like Doom made it onto my like top ten of the decade or something like that. And I know, I know, video game movies. I mean, it's slim pickings, but Doom, really? Yes, I enjoyed Doom. Doom was a lot of fun. All right, man, go for it. <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> I'm gonna be saying that a lot this episode. 
Uh, well, okay. For starters, the director was uh, Andrazaj Barkowik, and I, I apologize <laughs> in advance for butchering that. Um, he probably changed his name because he didn't want any credit <laughs> for this film. <laughs> Doom is not... Okay. Uh, <laughs> writers were um, Dave Callahan and Wesley Strick, and it stars Carl Urban and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I remember, <laughs> sorry, I remember when this came out, people were concerned that this was going to derail, like, uh, The Rock's, like, you know, uh, meteoric rise into <laughs> <to> stardom <laughs> at the time. This was a good role for him. He played a great villain. Uh-huh. Sure. Go ahead, Christian. <laughs> no, like, remember those first trailers when they were, like, and I've talked about this on the show before, but those first trailers when they showed Doom and they really made, um the rock look like he was going to be the good guy of this film and then he turns out to be the villain come on good marketing right there big twist wow huge twist <laughs> <laughs> yeah but unfortunately there's still like two hours of movie there that you have to go through to get to that twist Doom i is... saw this in the theater you saw it in the theater so you thought yeah it was good our um our, our flight was delayed so we had time so we went to go like just check out a movie and mm-hmm. i was like okay uh, you know i'm a huge wrestling fan it was the rock so i was like i'll check this out and man like halfway through my wife was just giving me the stare like what the <laughs> fuck did you bring me to <laughs> this this was a piece of shit christian but go ahead <laughs> tell me why it's great doom as a whole is supposed to be this you know badass you know just going through mowing down demons type of game and yeah. what this movie did was it kind of gave it a little bit more story gave it kind of like a, a contagion you know kind of storyline to it but at the same time you had those elements deep rooted where it's like oh they're monsters from hell probably on mars and there's a portal there and everything like that um it kind of it did well with the source material while still changing things in a way that wasn't annoying where a lot of video game films kind of change things too far and take away from the storyline. Or you can tell that they didn't had no idea what the fuck the video game was in yeah. the first place. Where it's completely unrecognized. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Doom handled it kind of well. And there's a, It's a standard like action film through and through. I mean, you get your team, they're getting torn apart. It's I, I like the violence in it. I liked how they handled um, practical effects in the uh, movie. I, I enjoy it through and through. It's 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 a guilty pleasure of mine, and I, I get shit like this from Damon and other people all the time. <laughs> but I feel like Doom is more enjoyable and, as a video game movie, more impressive than what most people give it credit for. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Everyone has the right to be wrong. <laughs> you definitely take advantage of that. So, I mean, that's, that's cool, man. You know, how old were you when you saw this? Uh, I, I don't know. I was like 12. Okay. Do you, <laughs> and this is not to belittle your, your pick here. Do you feel like there's a nostalgic like? Oh, absolutely. To it? There's a nostalgic. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of shitty movies that I love, you know, and that I like will die by, you know, from the 80s that like I'm sure that you would watch and be like, what the fuck is this piece of shit? <laughs> what is David talking about? Uh, this is not a good film. So I, I get it. I totally get it. Um. You know, I was probably in my early 20s when this came out, so I don't know. I, I was not a fan 
Um, I don't remember there being great practical effects. I remember it being like a CGI mess for some reason. There's a lot of um, like how they handle the bodies and such. Uh, okay. Go back, watch the film. I'm sure you'll no. enjoy it the second no. time. <laughs> Are you threatening me? No. The CG is a little rocky, but at the same time, it, it's not as bad as a lot of the films that were coming there, out. There. I mean, honestly, you know, with you know, I, what was this? Early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, there's not a lot of CGI, unfortunately, that's aged well from that period. Exactly. So, I mean, I can't, you know, blame it for that necessarily. I just don't remember. I remember being disappointed with the level of gore too. I was expecting more gore and more violence. So, but I'm a gore hound, um, and going into that, I was probably that's probably what I was like, or knowing what like the video games like. Exactly. I mean. Yes. Could they have ramped it up a little bit? Probably, but it was still mm-hmm. fun. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number three. I think this is probably also on like uh-huh. the Rock's personal worst list. It's on I his think personal I've actually, worst list. I think I've heard him joke about this movie before. <laughs> so we'll have you insert a clip right here. <laughs> you know when I'm when I met Carl Urban, fucking at the last convention that we went to, I actually went up to it and I was like, "Man, I love a lot of your work, even Doom." Uh, but uh, he didn't react to it at all. So. That's why he probably thought you're bullshitting him or busted. Right? You, you asked him to do something for us, and he was like, "No." <laughs> no wonder you brought up Doom, you jerk. <laughs> hey, he's the one that's got tons of Doom pictures out there for him to sign. So, I... oh, really? Yeah. And people wow. come up to him with his like their Doom masks and stuff for him to sign. So, I mean, people. Man, there's a lot of fucking losers out there, huh? All right, number three. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, number three is Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Trade for combat. We can be partners. You might try to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. I said you'd try. All right, this was directed by Simon West. Writer is Sarah B. Cooper. Mike Werb. Um, this stars Angelina Jolie and Ian Glenn. Uh, this was an awesome, like, at the time, like, the early 2000s, we're getting, you know, kind of bleh action films, stuff like that here and there. Um, and for a film like this to come out, that's like based off a video game, it felt like they actually gave a damn, you know, for, for a chase. Like, while Laura Croft had been like over-sexualized at that time, you know, Angelina Jolie fucking owns the character. Um, it was, you know, some probably like the biggest cast we saw in a video game movie at that time and stuff like that. Besides, you know, maybe John Van Damme and Street Fighter. But <laughs> I don't, I think, I think Angelina Jolie is a, a little bit of a bigger star. Than yeah, I, I think I can agree so. with that. <laughs> uh, you know, they really, they handled the source material well. Um, it's very fun. Uh got tons of your classic you know action movie camp it's just something that i definitely go for so uh i definitely really enjoy this film it 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 has all the things that i liked about doom but minus maybe a little bit of the violence (laughs) now you're just poking the bear oh yeah definitely (laughs) i'm really surprised it's like doom but better Mm. (laughs) fair enough I'm really surprised you haven't seen this movie. I mean, this is no. a classic, like, 
you know, um, it's like an action-packed version of Indiana Jones, you know? If anyone listens to the show, they know that I'm not a gamer, so mm. I was not attracted to this film at all, you know? I mean, two, like, at this point, I'm in my, like, mid-twenties, I'm guessing, so I was getting into more, like, you know, Scorsese and stuff like that, you know, so... I would have been dismissive of this movie by any means because, you know, there's a few movies on your list that I definitely did enjoy. But um, this just didn't appeal to me whatsoever. I remember when this movie did come out, people were kind of like taunting it as like the next like Indiana Jones like franchise. Mm -hmm. So people were excited for it. They, did they make a couple sequels to this? Uh, there is one sequel to it, but I feel like it didn't do as well. Okay. Overall. Is that starring uh, Jolie? Yes. Yeah, so obviously it didn't become the next Indiana Jones. Um, I know we rec you recently reviewed the reboot or reimagining, whatever the hell they want to call it. Um, that does not make your list, though. No, correct? I just didn't. I don't feel like they cared as much in the new one. Like, they really tried to recreate the new version of Tomb Raider. But at the same time, it didn't match up to it whatsoever. Like, it didn't make me care for the character whatsoever. Like, mm. um, the new version of Tomb Raider is so much more grounded. In You're everything. talking about the video game. Yeah, the, the new video game. game. So okay. I, I, I probably get a little, I'm a little bit more like, you know, if you're going to go for this, go all the way in. Okay. But this felt like a cash grab off of something that was already successful, which was so the you, game. So you're... So you're like the Angelina Jolie one wasn't a cash grab. <laughs> but anyway, every, but every film's a cash grab. But at the same Well, time, yes. Well, major I will argue that not every film is a cash grab. There are films just for the art of the film. But I yes, any film based off of video game, yes. you could argue, you know, a studio at least is looking for a cash grab. It's not necessarily because they love mm. video games as we can see with most of your list here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think the problem with a lot of the video games movies is that the studios don't take the source material seriously. And you're saying the reboot didn't necessarily take the source material serious enough. Yes. It, it, I guess I'm just expecting something more. When I have such a well-developed like, character and something where, you know, they made you really care about this character based off so like how much you were you seeing. really really enjoyed that the the game then, yes the, the remake, the of, the remake of the game makes like you get so much more invested in her because you're you're watching her go through such dangerous peril and you seeing her how she's handling like it's it was one of those games where they show off this character in a way where you know you're seeing them actually hurt it's not like mm -hmm. they're this invincible character throughout the entire game and like when they get hurt you fucking feel it like those game developers really made sure that you were aware of her in danger uh, uh -huh. and you just don't get that type of sense in the movie where the movie character feels more like a classic video game character where they're like they get hit but they're gonna keep going and they're gonna keep solving things and everything is so easily like enveloped you know instead of like there being a mystery and something to be solved you know it's just like point a point b point c you know okay fair enough fair enough I'm too passionate uh, about video games, huh? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I, I respect the passion. All right. Well, speaking of passion, uh, number two is Mortal Kombat. So the, uh, Mortal Kombat was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, uh, written by Ed Boon and John Tobias. 
uh, stars Christopher Lambert, Robin Cho, and Lyndon Ashby. This is a movie that really paid attention to the game. And I, I mean, obviously, because Ed Boon's behind it, he's he's putting his entire like storyline out there from the game directly onto the screen. And mm. like, while this is fucking camp as camp can be, it's mm. super fun because you know that they they're all having a good time. You can tell that there was love in this fucking project. Yeah. Um, you know, all the fight scenes are well handled. Um, while they're fucking eccentric and crazy, they're well handled. Um, you know, you could have gotten a little bit more of what you would have gotten out of the game. Maybe a little bit more fatalities and stuff. And that's what makes the new movies sound exciting because they really seem to be focusing around fatalities and stuff like that. That's right, and that's going to be done. That's being done by James Wan, right? Yes. Yeah, that's exciting. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that, that's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah, but like. This really felt like it was a passion project that they all, you know, sat around and really thought about and put some real effort into it. Um, you know, all the actors, super fun. It's a super quotable movie. It's something that you're going to remember and it's something that's going to last. And if, if the soundtrack isn't stuck in your head right now, let me play that music one more time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when this movie actually came out. I was a huge fan of this. And I, like mm. I said, this is probably... Now, this might be the only movie on your list that I'm a big <laughs> fan of. But, and that's, hey, man, like I said, two inches off. But, like, when, the, like, I was in the middle of, like, Mortal Kombat fever. Like, me and my friends were spending, like, the entire summer in, like, my buddy's basement playing the game, having tournaments. I think two was out at this point. Um, so this movie came out, and we were all there opening weekend. Like, we love the soundtrack. I bought it on CD. Um, you know, the movie ended, and we all just literally started fighting in the aisles. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was a good time. You know, it's cheesy as all get out, um, but it's a fun movie. It really is. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. Uh, you got you to gotta give them credit where credit's due, because there were some mistakes made in the future with Mortal Kombat. Yeah, now, there was a couple sequels to this, correct? Yes, and they're not very good at all, like from what I remember. <laughs> oh, we'll get into it. <laughs> is it Annihilation? Yes. Is that the is that the direct sequel to this? Yes. Yeah, man. They had fucking Christopher Lambert and the fucking Highlander as Raiden. It was like perfect casting. Mm -hmm. And then they um, changed the entire cast. Yeah, I mean the effects weren't great in this, even mm -hmm. for the time I remember thinking that. Um, but you know, I've seen worse. Like I feel like they haven't aged so poorly where it's just unwatchable because i have like recently watched this on like tbs or something like that um so it, you know it's not horrendous at least um you know where you can still like you know kind of grin and bear it um to get through to just the awesome fight sequences so and like it's all about the score with this movie though <laughs> you know it really is man was this was this late 90s uh, it was mid 90s 1995 Oh, yeah, so industrial, like, music was huge mm. at that point. So, yeah, no, I love this soundtrack. I mean, like I said, like, we had it blaring as we played the actual game. So, I, it, you know, just good times, good memories. Absolutely. I mean, this was hard-pressed to not be my number one. Like, it was really hard not to pick this as number one. But we all know what my number one is, right, Damon? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've brought it up and made fun of me enough. Oh, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> All right. Christian, what's your number one? Number one is Resident Evil Apocalypse. Star. 
Rivers. All right, this was directed by Alexander Witt and written by Paul W.S. Anderson, who was the director of Mortal Kombat. And this stars Mila Jovovich. I know you're not only a fan of this movie, but you're, like, obsessed with this movie. <laughs> Is this true, Christian? It's a little true. I mean, there was... Like, you like you go to sleep watching this movie every night? Bro. No, 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 no. Can we tell the people about your tattoo? <laughs> not yet, because I haven't gotten it. Christian. <laughs> but now I feel We're like... going to post the tramp stamp on Instagram next week. It's just her face, right? No, man. It's a full back tattoo. I don't know why you say it's a tramp stamp. It's... Oh, you expanded on it. Exactly. It's all of Alice from like that first movie's poster. I didn't know you were working on it still. Well, it costs a lot of money, you know. <laughs> all right, man. Tell me why you love this movie so much. So, yeah. When I was younger, there were two things I would get at Blockbuster. It was SmackDown vs. Raw and Resident Evil Apocalypse. I would pick up this movie probably fucking every other weekend. Um, <laughs> I, I thought this was the, the perfect sequel to a horror movie like at that time in my life. I was like, oh my god, this is action-packed as hell. Uh, my mom actually was the one that introduced me to Resident Evil. She showed me the first movie, and then we got the second one, and it just went on from there. So you saw the movies before you played the game? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Um, at the time, I was, so, I was probably too young to get the yeah, game. Yeah, how old were you when this uh, came out? Well, this came out in like 2004, so I was like 10. <laughs> I'm so old. Okay. <laughs> So oh. the, the, now this is a movie too that, that would possibly be on your like top like ten top twenty list like just of films of all time maybe like a top one hundred I wouldn't say top one hundred Christian I've heard you talk about this film more than <laughs> I've heard you talk about any other film don't lie to the people <laughs> that's just because of how enjoyable it was Resident Evil <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me break this down to you David. Okay. Resident Evil uh, is a franchise uh, that follows um, the story of Alice, and which is a totally made-up character, not from the game at all. Um, oh, really? Yeah, not at all. I didn't know that. Okay. This is kind of like their own original storyline. They slowly introduced um, game characters as the franchise went on, but yeah, they they totally kind of like made their own story about you know Alice being this kind of like mutant version that they tested on with all the T virus and stuff like that. And then it kind of exploded from there. Um, what we what we got in the first movie was kind of like an attempt of making a classic zombie horror film, but it, it wasn't really all there. I would say like that's probably the reason why it doesn't beat out Apocalypse for me is because it's not it, it wanted to be scary and it just kind of wasn't, you know. Yeah, um, so when the second one came out, it was like, hey, we're gonna go balls to the wall action. We're gonna introduce like the most terrifying villain from. Uh, the Resident Evil franchise nemesis at the time and you know we're gonna go from there and uh, what we got was like Alice you know kind of getting a grip of her powers um, running around they're fighting all the fucking zombies you're getting like classic one-liners here left and right uh, you know they introduce um, they start introducing video game characters into this movie you get um, you know nemesis hunting down stars and stuff like that so you're, you're introduced to Jill and everyone else um Okay. It's it's like a good this would probably be like where they started to get the idea that this could really be a franchise. Like this is where it kind of seems, feels like this was the genuine starting point to where it got to today. Um yeah. 
you know, Resident Evil became this like massive action zombie franchise, but it's it's definitely more like um, the human films, story to it. How many films did they make? Yeah, there was uh, six movies in the franchise in total. I, I still haven't seen the last one. Um, everything after like Extinction, everything kind of went very far downhill <laughs> storyline wise. Which, which what number is Extinction? Um, Extinction's the third one, I believe. Yes, the third one. That's okay. I mean, to have a good like you know trilogy if mm. you will i don't know if it really fits that format <laughs> but to have a good strong first three films that, that's not bad for a franchise they, they really pigeonhole themselves like they they push themselves into a corner with her character because you know they kind of made her too powerful and then they had to explain why her powers were gone all of a sudden and so then they now, kept fluctuating that so now you went back then you know after you saw these films and started playing the game Yes. Did you were you annoyed at all with the liberties that they took um, with you know the original story, the video game story? Um, I think at a point I kind of understood because the storyline in Resident Evil kind of goes all over the place. Like once you reach Resident Evil Six, it's no longer just about like you know the zombie infection or the T virus. There's like about like twenty other different types of viruses that um, Umbrella Corporation has created. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's. It's a way bigger world than what we get usually. Does it get really watered down? It gets kind of watered down. And right now, like, the game is kind of taking a soft reboot approach where, you know, they're they're creating more condensed or smaller stories where, okay. like, um, in the last game, you kind of play in this um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre almost type family that has the virus in them. And so it's basically, imagine his family... But okay. they can all regenerate. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's more of a, like an isolated story. Yes. They're doing more of that, which is definitely more scary when, as a uh -huh. player than yeah. like running around a city and stuff like that. You know, when the first movie came out, mm -hmm. I was really excited for it. Um, I remember, I think my roommate at the time um, had Resident Evil 2. And like it was like must-see. Like I, I, I'm not a huge gamer, so I wasn't even playing the game. But we would like literally turn off all the lights in the house and we would sit there like me and a group of friends would sit there and watch him play through the game and there was like some serious jump scares like throughout that game i mean the the fucking score was great mm -hmm. i mean it was legitimately scary so when the first film came out like i said i was excited but then i was like quickly disappointed like it it just felt like just this almost straight action film that happened to have you know zombies Sounds, in it you know. Um, you know, so I, you know, but it doesn't get enough credit. I will say that because it was kind of part of like the whole zombie, like renaissance that happened in the early, like 2000s, you know, along with movies like 28 days later and, uh, Dawn of the Dead, the remake and, uh, Shaun of the Dead, like those like three or four movies really kind of started like this boom that happened, you know, and not, I, you know, I won't even say just for the zombie genre, just for horror in general. No, absolutely. And I, I I mean, that was a great time. Like, I feel like Shaun of the Dead is probably one that would be in my top 20 films for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I actually I was working on a zombie uh, top 10 list that we were going to possibly do this week or next week. But I think we're going to put that on hold for a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that does it for my top five greatest of all time <laughs> video game movie list aka christian's favorites. exactly <laughs> all right christian let's get into the nitty-gritty yeah let's hear your top five worst video game movies <laughs> of all time 
Yeah, Damon gave me shit for Doom, but if he had seen any of these five movies, <laughs> Jesus I'm Christ. Look at your list. <laughs> well, I, I saw one of them, but I stayed the fuck away from the rest. So, yeah, looking at the list, this I mean, these movies are the shits. So <laughs> let's 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 get into it, Christian. All right, starting off with my number five, it was Max Payne. When the people a man needs get taken away from him. Max Payne was directed by John Moore, and this stars Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis, and Bew Bridges. Oh, I kind of remember this now. Yeah. Was this, like, kind of <laughs> done in the style of, like, like almost like, this was right after Sin City, right? Yes. They really tried to nail that kind of, you know, noir yet surreal style that Sin okay. City was. Yeah, because you had Sin City at the time that came out. You also had 300. You know, so it's kind of like that Frank Miller type deal. Yeah. It felt like they were going for. No, you definitely see those types of effects throughout this film. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to give it credit where it deserves credit. You know, a lot of the film work in this movie is, is handled pretty well. Like, there's tons of great tracking shots. And we get tons of great... Um, uses of focus and everything and slow motion was handled very well but you know great film techniques aside you have to have a good story and Max Payne as a character is probably as you know as typical as you get in the video game world I mean you know his family was murdered so now he's you know, a deadbeat cop on the on a renegade run you know he's gonna he's gonna get his revenge and shit like that mm -hmm. um, what the movie decided to do is they, they added some elements, they took out things, it's, you know, it, it understood what the video game was, but, you know, it's like, fuck it, let's do our own thing. Um, mm. You know, Max Payne's dealing with some weird type of drug element uh, that, like, allows you to see angels and demons. And, what? like Okay. <laughs> is that in the game? No, this is in the movie. Uh, Alright. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, Mark Wahlberg just had The Happening come out, so this is, like, you know, him really phoning it in. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, he phoned it in during the happening, so I don't exactly. know why you'd expect any more. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, no chemistry between him and Mila Kunis. There's no chemistry between any of the characters, really. Um, the writing is very, you know, while it's not the worst on this list, it's definitely, like, there wasn't much time spent on the script. It was all storyboards, I would say. Because okay. there's tons of great, cool fucking looking shots. I mean, you got him doing like a backflip and shooting a shotgun in slow motion. And it looks beautiful. Uh -huh. But the context to it all, it, it's not great. Um, is the video game style-wise, is it similar to what they tried to do with this film? Or like were they just, you know, basically doing the copycat game, you know, with, you know, the success of, you know, Sin City and 300? Um, it's a little of both. Because, yeah, there's... One of the main things that you can do in the game is jump in slow motion. And okay. I feel like they, they saw that and they said, that's going to be our film. <laughs> so that was their gimmick. Yes. All they right. like, let's and take Sin City, but make everything slow-mo. Is this film um, completely black and white? No, it is not black and white at all. Oh, it isn't? Okay, no, it's, so but it's all gray tone. Like, it's all very typical noir. Okay, so it's gray tone. Okay, gotcha. Mm. So, like... It has its merits, but at the same time, just there's 
it's it's got a story that you couldn't give two shits about and you know while max Payne's story in the video games the way rockstar ended up handling it by the third game um you really develop and get while the third game did come after max Payne the movie i would say they got an idea of how to handle this kind of grizzled character who's dealt with so much loss and pain i mean he's an alcoholic there's a lot of elements like that they could have taken um this film and really had dived into like you know you don't really feel like he cares about the loss of his family you know and i don't know if that's just the poor acting or it's the poor script because I, I, I can't yeah exactly <laughs> Um, Max Payne's a pretty popular franchise, though, right? Video game wise. Yeah, it was it was pretty big at the time. Um, they haven't done anything with it since uh, I think 2012. But that third game is is pretty damn good storytelling from Rockstar's uh, point. Okay, so they saw what they did with the film. Or like, they were yeah. like, we have to save we have to save this franchise. So, uh, what's number four on your list, Christian? Uh, number four is Street Fighter. You have made me a happy man. Next. I'll make you a dead one. Yeah! Alright, this film was directed by Stephen E. DeSouza and starring John claude Van Damme. It also starred uh, Ming-Nay Wen, who played Chun-Li in this film. I totally... I wouldn't have recognized her at all. <laughs> huh. Alright. Um, this film decided uh, to take a property and just kind of do whatever the fuck they wanted. Um... None of these characters are like they are in the game whatsoever. Um, and like a lot of their like, maybe like John, uh, John. Yes. Maybe like Van Damme's character um, is, is like given maybe a slightly different like rank and everything, but they really just like, the bad guy is for some reason, he's kidnapped people and he's trying to get ransom. Uh, there's no fighting tournament. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, there's no fighting tournament. In it's this? not a fighting tournament at all. Uh, <laughs> it's just the government trying to help these people, and That's uh, bizarre. you just kind of run into wacky characters on the on the trip on the road. Like, how many of the characters from the video game are actually in the movie? Um, surprisingly, quite a lot. Like they they got most of the main core, but you know. The like main character is not even like the main character of the game. It's not Ryu or Ken. Um, Interesting. It's it's a very weird fucking movie, but it's super '90s. It's super mid '90s. So yeah, like the dialogue in this movie is incredibly laughable. Like it's almost a predator level of like crazy one-liners Pump. here and there. Whoa! Wait, what? <laughs> Pump the fucking brakes. Did you, I mean, how dare you, <laughs> first of all? Did you just blasphemy on this podcast? Predator? It's Predator is a work. <laughs> Predator is a work of art, sir. <laughs> sure. How dare you? It's like Vince McMahon's probably Carry on. Carry on, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Before I really cancel this podcast. No, it, Street Fighter's just this laughable constantly crazy film that has nothing to do with fighting it's just yeah, like that's, it's a bizarre what? choice <laughs> why would you take a fighting game and make a movie that has no fighting 
And it's just really can tell that no one like has ever played the game, ever looked into any of these type of characters' storylines or anything like that, because it's just not them, you know. You, uh, and like I said, this was something that plagued Hollywood at mm. the time when they did these adaptations of you know popular like mediums like you know video games or comic books. They didn't take the source material seriously, so they would go ahead and they felt like you know their studio execs and their writers knew better than the fans. And they would just gut them, you know, and they would just basically use the title to sell tickets. And then you'd get in the film and it, it was unrecognizable half the time. You know, a lot of, that would happen a lot with like a lot of earlier comic book films. Um, you know, they, you know, the studio execs felt like they knew what would sell. They would add characters, you know, or take big plot points away from, you know, origin stories and just kind of do their own thing. Um, but, you know, thank God for, you know, Sam Raimi and, you know, Kevin Faki, <laughs> you know, um, you know, they, they showed you that, you know, no, th this shit's popular for a reason, mm. you know, like people want to see what they got in their comic books translated to film. Absolutely. And that's something I'm, I'm hoping that the video game industry can translate to film soon as well. Like, I feel like we should be able to get that type of quality with those great stories that are being put out in games yeah absolutely all right christian so what's your number three pick um my number three is dead or alive tell me about the diamonds well they're a girl's best friend and they're forever would you hand me my bra please Dead or Alive uh, was directed by Corey Yoon. Um, it stars Jamie Presley, uh, Devon Aoki, and Sarah Carter. Um, so, do you know anything about Dead or Alive, Damon? No, nothing. Um, this is another fighting game. Now, this game is kind of notorious for being highly sexualized. Um, okay. One of its main features is its jiggle physics. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they tried to translate that into a film. Uh, this film is like almost porn quality, but with fights that are terribly choreographed instead of porn. Oh, um, okay. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> like, some of the work done in this film is just unbelievably, unbelievably bad. Um, you can see wires. You can see like them breaking the laws of gravity left and right. Um, every once in a while, there's like hidden crouching tiger like elements to this film, and it makes zero sense. Like the, the physics in this world are so crazy and make are so crazy and don't work. But the way that they try to hide it is by flashing boobs in your face every time something that you can't believe happens. Okay. So it's just that's just kind of like the vicious cycle in this movie. <laughs> And I don't know why I watched it in the first place. I'm uh -huh. a teenager. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I know why you watched it. <laughs> um, you know, instead of and, and, and instead of just being you know your typical story, you know your your fighting tournament, they add this like horrendously bad villain, um, played by Eric Roberts, um, who's like main like like objective is to absorb all of their like life force so that he becomes the best fighter ever but the only way he can hold their life force is by wearing special sunglasses that if they get knocked off he can no longer be a good fighter are, are these uh are these elements that are actually in the game no no 
Special sunglasses. <laughs> Special sunglasses. Awesome. <laughs> when you're a fighter, don't don't you think um, sunglasses would be the worst item to have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Typically, you wouldn't want to wear sunglasses <laughs> while in a fight. The movie is just horrendously bad, dude. Um, and you know, there's a lot of these types of action films out there, but like, as a video game uh, movie, this this really, you know, is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, you got to imagine what's my number two and number one. Then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's hear it. What's your number two pick, Christian? My number two is Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Wow. Okay. How the mighty have fallen. You're alive. Too bad. You will die. All right. Mortal Kombat Annihilation was directed by John R. Uh, Leonetti. Um... You know, it, it's got an Ed, Ed Boone credit for writing, um, and then a Lawrence uh, Kazanoff for story. This is as far um, as much as a, a fucking cash grab as you can possibly get. Um, they really like they saw the success of the first one. They were like, "Hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let's keep going. Um, let's make another one. Um, let's crank these out. Let's crank these fucking out, right?" Um, and like they just you know replaced almost I think ninety percent of the cast. Um, and I don't know. It's like they, they had a team that just did not give a shit about what was going to be on screen. Because, I mean, Damon, when when we talk bad CGI and bad editing, I mean, this this is like probably one of the worst edited CGI I've ever seen. You can see the green screen half the time. You yeah. can see, like, clipping of the background going through bodies and stuff like that. Um, it's so poorly done um and like they added all these elements from the the game that they didn't really understand like there's like a fun little thing where you could do an animality instead of um, a fatality where you can turn yourself into an animal and stuff like that Uh and they actually made that instead of that just being like a cheat code thing in the game they made it something that's actually fucking lore in the story and so so, like so they had people like turning people into animals. Yeah, like the main like fight at the end of the movie is a giant like three-headed beast versus um, Luke Kang as a dragon, and it's probably like the shittiest looking dragon you'll ever see. <laughs> like, it's not even like your like Chinese dragon. This is like some bullshit. Maybe like a preschooler drew, you know? Like Puff the magic dragon. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's so horrendously bad and i don't know really what went wrong like why they decided to look at you know something that really stuck to the game's lore and all the ideas that the game had and really like i understand it, it, this part of the storyline they, ch- they jumped to um the third mortal Kombat game as their kind of inspiration for this movie mm-hmm. and you know if the, the world's going to shit and all that stuff like um shao khan has decided to um, invade um, Earthrealm, you know, breaking the rules of Mortal Kombat and all this shit, and you know, it's that is a, probably a huge, extensive thing to work on, but don't do it then if you can't handle it. You know, it's, did they <laughs> did they use the cyborgs in this? Yes, the um, the cyborgs are in this, but they are completely not explained. Um, okay, fair enough. <laughs> they're, they're a huge part of like Sub Zero's storyline because those are all his like brothers being turned into cyborgs against their will and uh-huh. shit like that and um they, he's just going around killing them like they're nothing like they're just they don't regular enemies. explaining why they're there or anything. 
Exactly. Way up, way bother. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's explained. Johnny Cage's character is killed off in like five seconds of the beginning of the movie. I think that's really? a lot of people's like huge like complaint. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wow. he's literally not in the movie at all. The chemistry between like Sonya Blade and Jax, which is supposed to be like their best friends since like you know for like years. You know, Jax trained her and all this shit. Yeah, no, uh, they're they're like acquaintances at best. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So, like, uh, is uh, Johnny Cage played by the same actor or no? No. Uh, again, that was another actor they changed. So That's, that was probably one of their main reasons. I wonder why they went with a different cast. Do you think the, the original cast was asking for too much money and they are like, well, screw you guys. We don't need you. Maybe. The name sells it enough. You know? People show up regardless. <laughs> probably. Because, I, I mean, that, I mean, that's a lot of, like, a lot of times the studio's mentality you know, will be just that. You know, it's all about the franchise, not mm. about you know the actual actors. So, um, yeah, man. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, I never saw the sequel, and obvious reasons why. <laughs> it's a good time. You go check it out. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Um, I don't know if you've seen my number one, but my number one is Super Mario Bros. Who, who's this? This Koopa clown. We gotta talk to that goofball now. I don't think you want to do that. Why? Why not? That Koopa clown? Yeah? Is one evil, egg-sucking son of a snake. Now, where is that meteorite piece? The what? Alright, uh, Super Mario Bros. was directed by Annabelle Jankel and Rocky Morton. Uh, it stars Bob Hoskins, John, um, I don't ever know how to say his last name. Legazamo. Legazamo and Dennis Hopper. Yeah, I mean, quite the fucking <laughs> cast. I mean, <laughs> what the hell happened? I don't know. They, they really tried to change the world of Mario in such a weird sense yeah. uh instead of going to just like the usual mushroom kingdom uh they go to this alternate reality in which dinosaurs have like evolved into like a humanoid species uh, and that's that explains why like Dennis, Dennis Hopper has fucking um spike head and everything because he's Koopa yeah he's Koopa he's yeah. Bowser it's crazy oh my god <laughs> I saw this in the theater I remember just being and I was young when this came out <laughs> Did and this knowing that this was a piece of crap like i like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this was horrible oh, this man. was horrible and this was another case of them once again taking that source material mm -hmm. and just you know taking something that's so beloved by like millions of fans and just shitting all over it no yeah like i don't know what it was because i mean you can like i would say dennis hopper and bob hoskins gave a good performance but you know it's it's a shit script <laughs> and yeah. terrible character design just they were like in the sewer a lot mm -hmm. that's all i remember <laughs> for no reason like i didn't understand like you have these like beautiful beautiful levels in super mario brothers mm -hmm. that you could totally do and like it would look great on film you know super cinematic right and they choose to be in these dark, fucking, gloomy sewers, like, throughout, like, most of the film, right? 
Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they didn't go with a, like, fantasy-style world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, take the plumbers and put them in. That's what's great about the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking these, like, you know, plumbers and making them completely out of place in this fantasy world, you know, where you have crazy shit happening. I'm actually, I mean, this must have just scarred Nintendo where they're like, no, we're not even going to bother. Because I'm surprised they haven't tried mm. to make another film since. Yeah, um, like Nintendo has not released any really films for most of their games. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, because this was horrible. This was horrible. <laughs> it, it's it's an atrocity to the name of Mario. <laughs> yeah, because Mario barely ever misses, you know? It's such a solid franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, its consistency is, like, one of its biggest strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the franchise is rock solid. It's one of Nintendo's biggest uh, franchises of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mario Maker World is, like, their like top, one of their top-selling games right now. Um, it's, it's definitely just disappointing. And it just feels like the script should have written itself, you know? Because, yeah. like, as you're saying, you know, it's just... It's, it's too... all there. It's all in the game. <laughs> it's, I know. it's two they... plumbers out of place chasing after a princess that they know nothing about, but they're going to try to be heroes. I mean, yeah. what 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 more do you need? That would have been a it's... classic comedy. I could see Bob Hoskins killing in that film. Yeah, and like, I mean, basically, you could have it like very Wizard of Oz like, mm-hmm. you know, where they somehow go to this alternate dimension. You know, they have to rescue the princess so they can get back home. You know, like, that's it. And they meet different characters on the way, like Toad and, you know, Yoshi. They, I mean, they, it's all there. You know, the material's all there. So there's no reason <laughs> to get this fucking gloomy, horrific piece of shit movie <laughs> that we got with, you know, Super Mario Brothers. So it just, I don't know. I don't know. And then I have these, like, quality actors in it. Yeah, you know, it just, I mean, this definitely goes on the bottom of their, like, you know, resume. If they had given the amount of quality, like, they had when they searched for actors, as they did with the fucking, like, you know, movie. Script, yeah. <laughs> script, maybe we would have seen something way more influential, or maybe even a franchise. I mean, Mario sells its fucking self. Um, right. Just, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Um, they, they really played this like it was just a, a shit game. So, all right, well, that does it for my list. If there's any movies that you think belong on either of these lists, or you just have a top five that you want to tell us in general, share them with us. That's right. And, you know, we'll even share them on the show. Exactly. So, Christian, to stay on topic just for a little bit, (laughs) um, are there any video games that you feel like are just begging to be adapted to, like, film? Um, You know, I I think we've talked about it a couple times. Zelda is definitely one that should be put into film. But also, um, I think we brought this up off mic. Uh, we were talking about Halo. Um, Halo is mm-hmm. something that I feel easily could be made into a film. It's got great elements for not only action, but horror and you know, um, alien space adventure. It's, it's kind of just this huge, wild story that could be really well done and fucking awesome on screen. Um, there have been directors in the past attached to it. I think Spielberg was attached to it at one point. And wow. even um, Peter Jackson was been uh, attached to it. And I thought Peter Jackson would have been a great choice for it. Yeah, it's interesting because you have such great material like sitting there at your fingertips. Um, I'm wondering if Hollywood's just kind of hesitant because of the lack of success when mm-hmm. it comes to like, you know, all these, you know, past attempts. Because, I mean, really, you know, as your, you know, top five, you know, 
video game films, you know, reflect. Um, there aren't many, like, great video game films that have been made. I mean, like, right away when Sonic came out, I know it wasn't on your list, people were saying it was the greatest, like, video game film <laughs> of all time. Um, and then you start thinking about it, you're like, well, there aren't many great video game <laughs> films, are there? Like, completely. So I don't, like, I don't know why that is, why there aren't more, like, you know, studios willing to take the risk. Because you would think, like, Zelda, I mean, Metroid would be fantastic. I think that's a great story that you could really get into, um, you know, and it would work in a film. Because it's basically uh, Alien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, with an awesome battle suit and exactly. great action. Um, yeah, there's so many great games that you could really, you know, take the deep dive. And it seems like, you know, we're starting to kind of see that change. You know, except we're kind of seeing them all become serious instead. Which, I mean, hey, long-form storytelling might be best suited for these games, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, since they have a lot of rich, like, canon and everything. You know, like with games like The Witcher or Last of Us, you know, that's in production currently. So, I mean, maybe that's the better route. But there's no reason why there isn't just a fucking badass Super Mario Brothers movie out there. <laughs> no reason at all. But yeah, as you say, um, I think we might be on the turning of a tide because, you know, Detective Pikachu did mildly successful and Sonic's doing gangbusters. So, yeah. who knows? And we know that, the, I mean, it's a copycat industry. So mm. I'm sure they're going to be like making tons of offers to like these, you know, gaming companies to, you know, get the rights. Um, to try to adapt a lot of, you know, these properties. No, you're absolutely right, damn it. Well, that's going to do it for this week. All right, but before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. You can also join us on BigHeadsMedia.com where there's even more amazing podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, damn it, what are we talking about next week? Well, the month of May is actually the 40th anniversary of one of the greatest films of all time, Empire Strikes Back. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to celebrate Star Wars all month long because we don't really need an excuse to celebrate Star Wars, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to kick off uh, the celebration next week, uh, counting down our favorite Star Wars moments. Um, and it should be a top 10, right, Christian? We'll see. We'll just, we'll see. <laughs> An ongoing battle between me and Christian <laughs> is whether the lists are going to be top 10 or top 5. So, I always want top 10, but, you know, Christian's lazy. Well, you gotta understand. <laughs> a top 10 for us is a top 20. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. So, but it's Star Wars, man. You can't just, you can't boil it down to just top 5. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it's gonna be a big month, trust me. You're gonna wanna tune in. Yeah. You definitely have a lot of fun stuff planned. So definitely tune in and, hey, tell a friend. 
Absolutely. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. Your soul is mine.